Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 142 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Click and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store today with a fun guest. And with me, as usual, is my 80 grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? Not too much. It's just the norm, but back to some baseball this week. Was it out at some minor league games several times this week? It was a good week, for sure. Caught Blaze and Marcelo's first game in, in first series, I guess, in high A, and Blaze hit two home runs in the first game. So that was fun. Obviously, the game I didn't go to, Marcelo homered, so missed out on that one, but all good, man. I had a good week, and hope the same to you. Yeah, I saw that was a shot too. The mayor's first home run was like four forty yeah. or something like that. Or bit. yeah, yeah, that was. I, I need to see the data on blazes because they have the green monster replica out there, and yeah. then there's the apartments behind it, and blazes home run landed on top of the apartments, so it was you know, insane. Can you imagine it's like? Living in one of those apartments, you just like go like on your balcony, just watch the minor league game, maybe get a home run ball every now and then. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah somebody but- was telling me the other night that it costs like thirty five hundred bucks a month for a, a one bedroom over there. Which, <laughs> yeah, which is not surprising given just yeah. the state of this country with inflation and all that jazz. But yeah, that was you got all the, even after you gave me Rafaela and Benellas, like <laughs> you you get like you still have an upgrade overall. You get like Mayor and Blaze and all of them like. You look at the lineup they have there. It's just so good. Plus, everybody yep. they've added. And- York, Cavadas, Nathan Hickey's decent. Matthew Lugo's been good. Gilberto Jimenez. There's a lot of fun fun offensive guys on that team. The pitching's not good, but the <laughs> offense is definitely there. I don't even have the fun pitching anymore. All the fun pitches for me are up at AAA at this point, and, or they traded the – well, Groom wasn't really that fun, but right. yeah. Been a, it's been a fun uh, fun few weeks, so a lot of what a minor league games and what a good more so pitching for on mine that we already that I talked about in the uh, bonus Patreon podcast. But yes, yeah, it's always fun getting to as many games as we can before the minor league season's over in about what a month or so from now. So. Yeah, sad. <sighs> I know time is flying, but all right, let's bring on our guest here. He is a writer for SP Streamer, co-host of the 80 Grade Dynasty podcast. Former MLB Braves analyst, just a fun guy all around, very knowledgeable baseball guy. I had a chance to get to know him over the last few weeks. Great guy, great baseball mind. So he's going to join us tonight, talk some baseball, talk some prospects. Please welcome Mr. Peyton Skinner. Peyton, how you doing, bud? I'm doing really good. I appreciate the lengthy intro. It's definitely fun to jump on here. I appreciate you guys having me on. But it's been a pretty busy few weeks just telling you guys just – I feel like once you buy a house, you just always have projects to do. <laughs> and I'm just living that right now. Like even just every single week, it's like, oh, I got another thing to do. And, you know, I'm sprinkled in trying to watch games and follow everything that's going on. And, you know, like you said, I think we're at that point in the minor league season where you want to really see how guys finish up. And, you know, especially with these guys that just moved at the deadline, you want to see, you know, okay, what are they going to do with their new team? Is there going to be a swing change, a pitching, you know, 
Is there going to be a pitch change? Are they, you know, commands going to jump one way or the other? I think there's always just a lot of fun things to watch. So it's been a really full two weeks or so, but really excited to jump on here and talk some baseball with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like whenever we have a guest on, we've had a lot of Atlanta Braves fans on our podcast, haven't we? I feel like I'm always like outnumbered here. Yeah. Where's all my Red so- we get some more Red Sox fans on this podcast. Yeah, it's Braves country down here, baby. I know, right? right? I'm always like outnumbered, but whether it be like two Southerners, me, me being a Northerner, <laughs> or just two Braves. Who's the other Braves fan we had recently? I'm drawing a blank. We had one on like a few weeks ago, didn't we? Or am I thinking of things? Mm, trying to remember. My brain's so, a so many guests over the over the over the time doing this podcast, but yeah, we've had a lot of Braves fans on, but a lot to get to in today's episode. It's going to be a very prospect heavy episode, but we do have one MLB topic to discuss to start the show. Pretty sure everyone knows what that is. The big news over the last twenty four hours or so. But before we get into that, the usual housekeeping. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross zero four. Our show is at Fantrax Toolshed, and Peyton can be found at Prospect Peyton, P-E-Y-T-O-N. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both Chris and I. And, of course, check out all the other great work we have on the by the entire team over at Fantrax HQ, including a lot of fantasy football stuff as that is kicking off. Our draft kit kicked off a few weeks ago. A lot of fun stuff in this. Check that out if you're a football fanatic. But there will be no football talk on this podcast, as there never will be. Let's start with that big MLB news, though. Fernando Tatis Jr. Suspended for 80 games, which will be the remainder of this year. He's going to be back soon. He's starting rehab assignment. And so I think he'll be the next, was it 32 or 34 games of next year? He'll miss as well. So big news, obviously, one of the big stars in, in the game today. But that kind of brings up a you know a, a discussion point here of, like, where is, should he be valued now? In Dynasty, obviously on talent alone, he's at lowest number three, probably number one. What he's done in his career has been phenomenal in 273 games. Already has 81 home runs, 52 steals, had a 42-25 season last year in just 130 games. But the fact that he only played 130 last year and he's missed all the time this year with the injury, with, with the motorcycle injury he had, and then this suspension now. There's a lot of risk in this profile as well. And I, I put out a tweet from our Toolshed account on Twitter asking where people value him in Dynasty Leagues. And where it was right there. 13% said top five, 32.5% top 10, 24, about 25% top 15, and 29.4% said not top 15. Peyton, I'll kick it over to you now. Where Let's say you were in a, in a startup draft this offseason for, for Dynasty League. Where would you kind of consider drafting Tatis? And do you think he might be a good value buy right now in Dynasty? Yeah, I think it's, you know, obviously, first of all, it's definitely pretty disappointing from just a fan of MLB and a fan of seeing the best players on the field, you know, because like you said, this guy's one of the most talented players in the game. So that definitely sucks. But in terms of fantasy, I kind of lean to what you were closing with. I think that a lot of people in leagues I've been seeing are like panic selling right now. And I don't necessarily know if that's the right move, you know, just because the talent's so high. I think, you know, if you're in a specific scenario where it's win now and, you know, you have an opportunity team context to kind of cash in, 
then that's fine. But, you know, I still would want a quality major league piece coming back as the headliner there. And, you know, in a startup context, my viewpoint really doesn't change all that much personally. I think, you know, you kind of have to be aware of the situation. But if you think about Acuna coming into last season, this current season, you know, Tatis is probably going to miss about similar games to what Acuna did. And I don't think anyone in a startup dynasty was necessarily fading Acuna outside the top 10, much less the top five, you know. So I kind of pencil him in with the injury concerns and everything. I could see a situation where he's kind of closer to 10 than one on the top 10 spectrum. But I, I just can't see a scenario given the five tool upside of pushing him past number 10, really. Yeah, I'm kind of in that same mindset. Like I was just looking at my rankings. My last update, I had him at four behind Otani, Acuna, and Soto. And I just, I moved him down to five, moving J-Rod up from five to four. But then it's like the next tier of six through ten are mostly guys that are a, a little bit older or just don't have that same level of upside. It's like Trey Turner, Joe Ram, Harper, like okay, great guys, obviously, but they're all 29, between 29 and 30 years old. And then you got like Tucker, great, but he's not. I still would take Tatis over Tucker. I love Tucker and all, but would take Tatis there. Jordan, phenomenal, but doesn't have, provide the speed. And then you get down to like the Wits, the Judges, the, you know, Vladdy Jr.'s Devers of the world. So right now I still have him fifth. So I didn't move down, the, down one spot, but I can understand why people would move. If we don't move him outside your top 10, I wouldn't fight that. I, I could see why because it's so much risk. But then I just go look back at the talent. Like I said, Last year, 42. He led the National League in home runs in only 130 games last year. Like You give him another, say, 25 or 30 games. Say he plays 160 last year. He was going to be on about 52 home runs. And just a quick math here. 30, he would have had a 50-30 year probably if he played another 25 games or so last year. Just the talent level is obviously insane. But, Chris, what are, what are your thoughts here? How are you kind of approaching Tatis right now in Dynasty Leagues? And I think he's the most talented player in the league. And from a fantasy standpoint, he's easily number one with a skill set just based on the skills. I just worry about his carelessness, per se. You just look at the injuries, like with the motorcycle accident, and then this. And it seems like he's tried to cover his tracks with, you know, saying he didn't know and ringworm and all this stuff. And then I've heard, you know, other things of why he was taking it. So it's like, you know, just spit out the facts. Other, I mean, just what it is is he's still the talent. I worry about the injuries per se. I wish he would have just got the shoulder surgery at this point, but you know, I, I doubt that happens. But he's had plenty of time to heal up. I would take five players over him. I think definitely take Soto, J. Rod, Acuna, and I think I'd take Jordan Alvarez over him, and then probably Otani over him as well at this point. So, but, so you would you would go Jordan over him? Yeah, I would. Okay. I do have Jordan ahead of him at this point. So, obviously, talent wise, like he's easily number one. I think, like, yeah, it's I, unreal. I, totally unreal. Agree. Yeah, what he's capable of. But there's just so many other factors that are going against him right now. So it makes it tough to value him. But I think he's a good buy low. I've tried in a couple of dynasty leagues. Unfortunately, you know, people aren't moving him. So if you can get him, if you can, if you get him. And the value of like the 10th overall player, you do it in a heartbeat, I think. 
it's Agreed. I mean, you can manage the rest of the season in 30 games next season. I mean, as Peyton said, think about Acuna this year. I mean, the early this season, he missed like 30 games. So, you know, he's a good buy low if you can. Yeah, I'm definitely in agreement there. It's hard because if you have them, you don't want to sell low on them. But yeah, I, th- I think if you have them, you, you kind of got a holes. I don't think you're going to get a lot of those people that are trying to come in. I'm not saying obviously you didn't try try this, Chris, but you'll get those people that are trying to nickel and dime you and give you eight cents on the dollar, give you like a top 25 guy and a top 75 guy. And that's just not something you should do. So unless you get an offer that's like blows your socks off and you're like, boom, easy, accept. Don't have to think about it. Then you can do it. But yeah, don't, don't just trade him just because you're you know a little worried about him right now. Obviously the talent, like I said, He's the only guy that can literally have a chance of going 50-40. I don't think anybody else has 50-40. Obviously, that's probably never going to happen. But if any one player could do it, it's probably Fernando Tatis Jr. All right, moving over to – we have a lot of uh, prospect promotions to talk about here at various levels. So it's kind of a fun little mix of players here. We'll start out with some MLB guys. First off, former teammate of Tatis for – it's a little bit – actually, not – well, he never played with them, but they were on the same team for – like a month or two, so I don't. You, you can technically call him a teammate, but same org anyway. Now with the Nats, C.J. Abrams went over obviously in the Juan Soto deal, but was kind of surprisingly optioned to AAA following that deal, even though they have nobody else in that lineup. See, I was looking this up earlier for an article. I want to. See, I'm going to ask you both of you guys this: in terms of woba for the season for current Nationals, who is their current leader in woba for the season? Peyton, uh... any guesses? I have no idea. <laughs> I, it, it can't be Ruiz. He hasn't been good enough. It is not. Oh, man. It is Yadiel Hernandez with nice. a 310 Woba, which nice. is not even that good of a Woba. No. <laughs> this was a show. It's kind of, it's, this was a show. It's kind of funny that they sent him down AAA. But anyway, he had, I think, four steals in nine or 10 games in AAA. And he's coming back up. It's been reported. He'll be up today on Monday when you're listening to this. So. Chris, what are your expectations for C.J. Abrams? Are you still, you know, as high on him as you were before the season? What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, my opinion hasn't changed a bit on him, honestly. I think he was rushed. The Padres kind of pushed him in desperation to you know, really spark the lineup, but it didn't work. I don't think he was ready. I'm not particularly worried about him long-term at all. I hope that now in this a less stressful environment that he'll be able to kind of just do his thing and perform because he went from just being another guy in San Diego who, yeah, they were counting on to win, but now you're going and you are the dude in a, on a team that just doesn't have it. Like he immediately steps in this lineup and is the best player in my opinion. So maybe that gives him confidence. Hopefully it does. I mean, the skill set to me is still, you know, a ton of upside. Like, you know, everybody goes, crazy about Corbin Carroll, but I've always thought C.J. Abrams still had that kind of upside that people dream on Carroll for. And so I'm on board. I think it's now's the time to buy in on him in a dynasty league. If if not, you're going to miss out if he does take off. But I think his values probably, or at least his perceived values, is an all-time low, I think. And I think there's still, you know, 20 home run pop, 30 stolen bases, and, you know, a hitter that can hit 280, 290. So... I'm all on board with the upside and about going to get him in Dynasty. 
Yeah, I think Corbin Carroll is basically doing everything that we hoped Abrams would do, right? Like, I think that's that's the last step for Abrams is having that power jump that we've seen from Corbin Carroll this year. Who I think is like 22 home runs right now and 29 steals or something in that ballpark. So, yeah, I'm still in on Abrams. I, I do start to wonder if maybe we kind of hoped or expected the power to rise to a level that maybe he can't get to. And I'm not, I'm not saying he can't get to 20, but I'm, I'm still kind of a little hesitant on that power to see where it's at. But Peyton, when, when thinking about Abrams here, how high do you think he can rise? Like, do you think, you know, let's go like three years down the roads, give him a few years to get established. You think this is the guy we're talking about as a top 25 dynasty guy? Where, where do you see him rising to? Yeah. Abrams is really interesting. It's kind of funny. I feel like personally, I've been a bit lower on him than the industry tends to be just because I've kind of what you guys just were talking about. I've always had my doubts about his power. And when I look at him, when I've you know seen him, it just, he doesn't look like a guy that necessarily has 20 homers in that bat. That said, it's kind of funny, just like Chris said, I think this is a perfect time to buy him just because of, I think this season was just unfair to him. I think that everything that's gone on around him getting, you know, called up and sent down and then called up again. And obviously now traded, there's just been so much going on around him. And, you know, my long-term outlook of him hasn't really changed at all. And I think that the speed and the hitting alone are enough to push him kind of into that, you know, top 30, 35 ish, even if the, you know, Say he gets to 15 homers, which I yeah. think is, you know, reasonable. That's yeah. still a pretty good player, you know, with the bat that he has, someone that I think he could hit 300, you know, on some of his better years. And we all know the speed's legit. So that's a super valuable player. And you never know. I mean, I know people always talk about Trey Turner with him, but Turner was a late bloomer with power and, you know, it could be the same thing here. You never know what could happen. So I think either way, this is 100% the time to buy, like both you guys mentioned. Yeah, I do think his value is possibly lowest it's ever going to be, assuming that he you know, performs as even close to what we expect from him. But yeah, I never quite went Trey Turner comps with him. I think that's more Corbin Carroll for me. But mm-hmm. one player that I have kind of thought about, especially at the plate, is Carl Crawford. Back when he was you know, pretty good, Carl Crawford for – Tampa Bay Devil Rays back at that time. We obviously, you know, Crawford had, I think, I'm looking at his stats, one, two, three, four, five, five years above 50 steals, including one year when he had 60 when he, and he didn't even lead the league. I wonder who led the league that year, 2009. I think that was Jose Reyes. I don't even know. But anyway, I don't think really not many, we see don't not many get to that 50 steal plateau anymore. It's very, it's kind of the game has changed a little bit, not quite as much free runners as there used to be. So maybe he's not going to be a 50 steal guy, but. In terms of the bat, Crawford was a – even when he kind of slowed down near the end of his career, he's still a 290 career hitter. A lot of years, you know, 281 to 315, always in that kind of range. Home runs, 11, 15, 18, 15, 19, you know, 70 to 85 RBI or something like that, you know, 100 or so runs scored. I think that is what Abrams can kind of be. And even, like you said, Peyton, if he, even if he settles into that 15 homer range, if he's adding 30-plus deals, a good average, and – you know, probably a, a good amount of run scored hitting high in the lineup with his speed as well. He's a potential hundred, you know, run guy. I'm, I'm assuming Washington will put something around him in the coming years, and they got some good prospects that'll be up in a few years. So we'll see how the lineup kind of comes to fruition. But 
yeah, still definitely a very good talent that is a, a good buy low right now. I'd, ra- I'd rather buy low on him than someone like like Torque or something like that because I think Abrams still has that speed element that's so valuable for fantasy purposes right now. All right, two arms got the call. One's already made his debut. The other one will make his debut, I think, on Tuesday, I want to say it is. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's been announced yet, but should make his debut this week. D.L. Hall debuted yesterday, and Peyton Battenfield is getting the call to Cleveland as well. We'll start with Hall. He's the bigger name here, but... I've made my concerns and just my, my thoughts in general on DL Hall known in, in various articles and here on, on Toolshed that he is just insanely talented, one of the most five, I think one of the five best pitching prospects in the game in terms of just straight up talent, upside, ceiling, all those fun words. But that walk rate, I mean, the command and control just hasn't come along. It's even like gotten worse to a degree. You look at this year. In 18 starts in the minor league, or AAA, excuse me, for AAA Norfolk, he had 44 walks in 70 innings. That equates to a 13.9% walk rate, which is actually above most of his other years for the most part and above his career minor league walk rate. So you can't get by with a 13, 14% walk rate. Like I said, you can get by with like 10%, 11% maybe if you got this swing and miss stuff like he does. But that's getting into a very, very, you know, risky range and he showed that in his MLB debut three and two thirds he walked three gave up five hits five runs and he had six k's so kind of what I expected to be honest with you but Peyton what are your thoughts on Hall is he someone that you think can you know over time get you know correct some of these issues to a at least to a point where he can be a impact major league starter or do you see more of a bullpen future for him yeah I think you kind of said it well like it seems like he's been what he is for years now. Like, I feel like I just keep hearing the same thing over and over with DL. And it's, you know, oh, that upside. Oh, it's incredible. He could be, you know, top five SP. And I, I'm not going to argue with anyone about that. I completely agree. Like, from a stuff standpoint, he's got to be up there. Like, I mean, I'd even go out there and say that his stuff's even potentially better than G-Rod, who's in the same org as him, which I know is pretty crazy to say, but when you look at the numbers and just the pitch characteristics across the board, it really is elite stuff. But between the command, like you hinted at, and I think also it's important to look at the injury history here as well, as you know, he just hasn't been anything of a durable pitcher for most of his pro career. I think those are the two things that just, you know, really make it to where it's hard to believe that that ace outcome is more than a far right tail probability at this point. Chris, what about you? What are your what are your thoughts here on DL Hall? Are you buying, selling? Where are you at? Love the stuff, but I think I'm selling. I just really think he's going to be a bullpen arm long-term because we haven't seen him harness the command yet, and I don't know if we ever will. Like, We can dream on the stuff. The stuff is certainly there. Love the stuff. But if you can't command pitches, it's you're not going to be able to last in starts. And we saw it. We saw it in the start. We saw him you know, strike out the side. We also saw him walk batters on four pitches. He's going to get a lot of strikeouts. He's going to walk a ton of guys. The whip's going to be high. And who knows, like, what kind of ERA we're going to get out of him. I like the Arsenal as a whole, but I just have 
major concerns. He's a bullpen arm. I think the first batter of the game of his career was a four-pitch walk, if I recall correctly. Yeah, it was. So you look at in those three and two-thirds, he threw 76 pitches. That's just not going to get it done when 80 pitches is the new 100, you know, 100 is the new 120. You know, you're going to get pulled four innings every time. You can't get, you know, your pitch pitches per inning down below 25 per inning or whatever that equates out to. So, yeah, he. I think he could make like a Josh Hader type of bullpen impact. I really do. Like we said, the stuff is there, but – Obviously, that is while still impactful. He's, I think he's gonna have a fantasy impact in some way, shape, or form. Just obviously, we, we want that to be as a starter because if he gets that corrected even to like nine, ten percent walk rate range, that he could be a, a borderline fantasy ace. Like that upside is that high. But I don't know. Well, I think I'd say 70 30, he is a bullpen arm right now. And that's why I've kept him back in top 100 in my rankings. I want to put him higher. I mean, you watch him any of his minor league games, and he's like, you like, oh, I want to put him top 30. But it's just like, Look at the walk rate, and that's why I was like, nope, keep it down. Don't go too high on him. But uh, with, really quick with Peyton Battenfield before we get going here, either of you buying into Peyton Battenfield as a you know a fantasy-relevant arm? He's had you know, kind of a weird year. He had that breakout year last year in high A and double A for Cleveland. Now in I uh, should be in Tampa Bay and then over into Cleveland middle of the season. This year, walk rate's gone up. Still, it's a decent walk rate. It's 8 8.5%, but last year it was 4.9%. K rate has absolutely plummeted. You know, last year he struck out 131 batters in 103 innings for a 32.9% strikeout rate. This year, only 79 strikeouts in 121 in a third innings. That's down to 15.9%. So, either of you buying into him as a, any type of fantasy impact arm? Peyton, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a floor that gives like very deep league appeal. You know, you're talking, you know, true like deep dynasty leagues, like 30 teamers where, you know, just giving innings is valuable because I do think that the arm across the board, you know, there's, there's no huge red flag. Like we were just talking about with DL Hall, but I don't think in a normal, you know, kind of the standard leagues that we're used to, playing in and what most of the listeners are playing in, you know, he's probably not really warranting an upside that's worth chasing. I would say in most of those leagues, I wonder if he falls into like that glutton of just like the Savalis and the Plezaks and the Cal Quantrills. I wonder if he's just another one of those guys, to be honest with you, but Chris, what are, what are your thoughts? Do you like Battenfield at all? I think he's all right. I mean, the velos fastball velo is not good enough when the pitch isn't, playing up like he can get decent shape and spin on it but when he's not like it's a hittable pitch i mean overall his arsenal is just kind of meh i mean it's okay i think he's got a couple above average offerings but nothing spectacular you know the curve can be decent from time to time but i just don't think he's a big fantasy impact honestly yeah i'm kind of there with you all right one promotion notable promotion to triple a recently brett Beatty was promoted to AAA by the New York Mets. Chris and I have talked Beatty a good amount here, so I'll kick it over to you here, Peyton. Are you a Beatty guy? What do you what do you see as like the outcome for him as a major leaguer? Yeah, I feel like I've like slowly come around of sorts to Beatty, but I'm not by any means like fully in. I think I've been very tentative to get excited about him, to say the least. It's kind of funny because he's honestly done pretty well 
across the board. And he even got a taste of double A last year. So I was kind of surprised it took this long for him to get the promotion. Because if you look at his season line, like he was doing pretty well across the board. And, you know, I think the biggest thing is we're still kind of waiting to see what's going on with the power numbers as, you know, they aren't crazy, but, you know, I think some people were expecting kind of eye popping power numbers and that's not really what we're seeing at this point. Yeah. I've kind of, you know, one of the comps that I do kind of like with him, it may be a little more average, but kind of like a Ryan McMahon type with maybe a touch more average. Like McMahon's always kind of like a 20 ish Homer guy. He's only a 243 career hitter. I think Beatty can hit higher than that, maybe like 260, 270. Assuming he keeps the swing and miss to a you know reasonable degree, but yeah, he's, I think he's a solid major league hitter. I just don't think he's ever gonna be you know a top you know even maybe not even a top 100 fantasy guy. Maybe he's like a you know guy you're drafting in like the 150 to 200 range more often than not, which is still solid outcome. But yeah, I just don't think there's any uh, huge upside there. Next set of promotions here that we have. Three promotions to double A that are pr- all pretty notable here and all pretty fun. Zach Veen for Colorado. And then the latest one that we were a late addition to this podcast, Mick Abel and Andrew Painter kind of getting the surprise promotions to double A Reading, which it sucks. I immediately went and looked at their schedule and they actually played Portland, you know, team 20 minutes from me twice the rest of the year, both times in Reading. I was so upset. They do come to Hartford once Peyton so if I don't know how it's going to shake out the uh, the rotation but if there's Abel and Painter back to back that might be a, a trip down to Hartford for me three and a half hours to watch those two we'll see I'm kind of hoping it's like a weekend series that'll be so nice but yeah so they get the promotions as well we'll start with with each of them the two Philly arms here I think you know Abel was a big arm coming in Painter has been one of the bigger breakouts of this year along with kind of Ricky Tiedemann Kyle Harrison where do you we'll start with Painter? Where do you have him in terms of like pitching prospects? Is he like a top ten pitching prospect for you? Top five, not top ten? Kind of where, where do you have him in terms of pitching prospect ranks? Yeah, I've really loved what I've seen from Painter this year. It's been kind of one of my biggest risers when you talk about pitching prospects specifically. And I've just just kind of he's checked a lot of the boxes for me in a way that I've been really, really pumped up about. I think he probably sits i'm trying to pull up my rankings here it looks like he's sitting right outside of my top 10 so kind of that 10 to 15 window for me right now so i mean definitely a huge riser for me as he will be for most people as you know coming into the season he wasn't really there but i've loved what i've seen from him i kind of have a rule where i don't want to i don't like to shove pitching prospects into my top 10 until I've at least seen something from double A with them. So I'm absolutely stoked to see him get the call because that's, I think, a huge hurdle in terms of pitcher development to see what they can do against that level of competition. Absolutely. And just to put it in perspective, too, he's about half a year younger than Ricky Tiedemann, who got the call you know, recently to double A, which I went and saw last weekend. So yeah, Painter's only 19 and a half years old. Mick Abel is, he just turned 21 recently, so he's about a year and a half older than Painter. I actually have Painter. I moved him up into, let's see, one, two, three, four. He's actually my eighth pitching prospect right now behind Gavin Williams, Harrison, Tiedemann, Bradley, 
Perez, Espino, and Grayson Rodriguez because he was right in that kind of gluttony of like the Hunter Browns and Bobby Millers and Brayon Bayos. But I just think it's what he's shown this year and his quick ascension to Double A. I totally get you know where you're coming from with you know, wanting to see something from Double A, and this will be a very good test for him. You know, he'll probably only get maybe 15, 20 innings in before the end of the season, but just to get a little taste. I, I like this when teams do this. Give those guys a little taste before the end of the season. So when they go into, especially if they're planning on promoting them, you know, before the season anyway, just so they can go into double A next year, already having their kind of their feet wet at this level. I, I love that from, from a uh, development standpoint. I've always been really high on that. So yeah, I, I love painter a lot, you know, get the big frame, big stuff. I still like Abel a lot. I have Abel as my number 14 pitching prospect, 84 overall right behind Hunter Brown, Tink Hens, and, and Brian Bale on that kind of next tier, along with he's right near D.L. Hall, Gavin Stone, you know, Jackson Job. I still have in that range, even though he's kind of falling a little bit. But, yeah, Painter is definitely exciting. So is McAble. I think this could be a really good duo for Philly to add to, you know, Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler. I think it's going to be a really good rotation over the next few years. Uh, Chris, uh, any uh, thoughts are you on either of these two Philly arms? No, I think we kind of hit on them a good bit. Abel, I think, is one – if you're going to buy one in Dynasty, I'd probably buy on Abel. Just the painter hype is realistic. I mean, it's there for a reason, but I think you can get Abel a decent bit cheaper, and I like the upside of both guys. So a little more willing to buy on Abel if I'm going out and looking to get one in Dynasty League. So you're saying you'd be able to get Abel a little cheaper? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't. I, I, was, I was You put it on a tee for me. I, I couldn't just not swing at that one. I, I'm sorry, anybody. But Okay, who's next on the list here before I get sidetracked? With, oh, yeah, Zach Veen. We talked with him as well. Zach Veen's kind of transformed into a player that we didn't – or I think many didn't expect him to be back when he was drafted a couple of years ago where he just has been running wild. And obviously, it's single A – but he just doesn't stop running. He's been taking advantage of that level, and now we'll see what the speed's at in, in double-A here. But look at in single-A this year, he had 50 steals in 97 games. Forty, Yeah, 50, and he's only attempted one steal in his first five games in double-A. About 50 steals, and he's only caught five times as well, better than his you know 36 steals and 17 times caught last year in low-A. Obviously inflated, but... Maybe he's uh, more of a you know stolen base threat than we in- initially anticipated, but at the same time, power kind of hasn't been there. So I think Veen's a very a project that has a, a wide range of rankings within the industry. Peyton, where where do you fall on Zach Veen? Are you high on him? Are you a little, a little low on him? Where are you at? Yeah, it's pretty funny. I feel like I've actually coming out of the draft. When in his draft year, I was probably lower on him than most people. And I feel like just because he's done so many other things than the power, which everyone thought was going to be the thing, it's actually made me kind of be more excited about him because he's showing kind of the ability to check multiple boxes in terms of fantasy. And he brings a lot of appeal there. And like you said, you know, 50 steals is ridiculous. <laughs> and it's totally inflated, but I think that it shows that he wants to run, and it shows that, you know, he wants to be viewed as that way. So it's super exciting to, you know, think about what he's going to do. And I think, you know, seeing his success rate at this next level is going to be really important. Again, like you said, it's kind of a treat for us to get to get a little taste of it to close out the season, see yeah. what he can do there. 
before we head into next year. But I would say he's actually trending up for me. I, you know, he's probably pushing top 20-ish. I don't, I'm looking at my pitching list. Let me, if you give me a second here, I'll try and pull it up. That's kind of where I have him too. I have, I've always, he's kind of settled on like that 21 to 25 range for me. So I still think the power can, I still think he can be, a 25 homer guys that drive the ball in the air more consistently, but he has that raw power. You know, the bat speed is definitely there. He's going to you know, just get the ball in the air a little bit more. But yeah, right now he currently is number 22 for me, right between Yuri Perez and Pete Crow Armstrong. So I think that's a fair range. Yeah, I have him at 25 right now. Okay. So kind of right there behind you in that same range. Chris, where do you have him? Pull it up and see. You know, I will say, Veen was one that stood out to me in the futures game, like more than anybody, he just, you know, hit it where it was pitched. He was willing to go opposite field. You know, he didn't try to do too much, which I think a lot of guys kind of tend to do in those type of games. So right now I've got Veen at 30, but I could see m- moving that up a bit. I do think he's a pretty solid OBP type. And obviously my rankings are for OBP, but like, where's the power at? Like, I just, I just want to know where the power went. Like the raw power is certainly there, but like, I want to see him get to more game power. So that's my biggest hindrance with him. It's like, what kind of powers he actually get to? Yeah, the walk rate's been really good this year. 50, 52 walks in 421 play appearances. I almost wonder if it's a, a kind of a similar thing to like Tristan Cassis in Boston where we everyone knows like the skills are there, but like he doesn't have like the gaudy stats just because he's been maybe working on something, working on you know, hitting the other way or you know whatever it may be, just those things that we don't see in a box score, maybe that's kind of holding back his overall kind of stats. But like you said, he performed very well in, in the in the Futures game. A lot of talent there. He's got Chorus Field awaiting him for that nice little Babbitt boost there as well. So, yeah, I still think if he can even speak a 15 steel guy, which I think is reasonable given what he's shown, he's got decent speed, the willingness to run is there. So maybe he's – I think he still can make a 25-15 type with a solid average and no BP. So – I think there's still a, a very bright future for him there, but and he's what I think you can still get for a, a fairly reasonable price just because I think some people are kind of like not that Rocky stigma, you know, like, well, I think that should only be there for more so for pitching. Like whenever I see anybody get drafted by the, by the uh, Rockies, like this year was Gabriel Hughes. I'm like, all right, boom, 25 spot drop in my FYP rankings immediately. But yeah, I get it. Like the Hampsons recently, there's been some misses, but They've also had a lot of hits as well with, you know, maybe not so much recently, but that's not a terrible player development org for hitting purposes, at least in my opinion. So that, I don't think that stigma should be there for uh, for hitters. All right, last couple names here before we hit the break, going from low A to high A from my Boston Red Sox, Blaze Jordan, Marcelo Mayer. Chris, you got to see them this past week a couple of times here. What were your initial thoughts on both Blaze Jordan and Marcelo Mayer? Unfortunately... Mayer didn't do much anytime I was there. He did hit the ball really hard one time. And honestly, like against most teams, it probably would have been a double, but it was in the ninth inning and probably eighth inning, actually, of the first game in high A. And he scores one in the gap, but Evan Carter moved so quick from center field. Evan, Evan Carter is incredible, by the way, highly underrated. But he just glided a mile. Like I would love to see the hit probability on that. But Mayer has really good feel for the strike zone. Like you can tell, like he's very patient. He knows what he wants to hit, and he knows the strike zone well. Good pitch recognition. 
he did end up hitting a home run this series. So that was good to see. I mean, handle all kind of pitches too, which I, I'm encouraged by. Blaze, he can't hit a fastball. Blaze, Blaze is super late on 94, which is yeah concerning. Yeah. Both home yeah. runs he hit were against curveballs, so he sits back and waits on the curveball. But he's constantly late. Every time he's swinging, he's super late, and, he, and 94 is not even that fast. So that's something he's going to have to work on, and that was something that I got confirmation from some other people that have seen him prior that he struggled with that all year, just very late on on high velocity. And I don't even consider 94 that high. So no. that's something he really has got to work on to be a successful prospect, I think. No denying the power. I mean, the longest home run I've ever seen, he hit. It was a massive fly ball, just carried forever. And a good week overall for Blaze. He's very aggressive, you know, hyper-aggressive in the box. But if he can't get around on fastballs, then I think he's going to just kind of like flail out eventually, which is sad. But and there's still plenty of time. He's still a young prospect, still like the upside. But that's kind of what I saw with them. Man, who asked you? Jeez, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. No, yeah, ninety four. Yeah, ninety four is what like ninety two was not too long ago. Like that's not ninety four is not as good as it used to be. Like, it's still like okay. It's I guess decent enough fastball velocity, but yeah, it's not like it used to be for sure. What What are your thoughts, Peyton, on uh, both Mayer and Blaze Jordan? Yeah, it's kind of funny. I've been, from what I've heard from other people, I haven't gotten to see Blaze in person, but I'd heard similar reports. And it's kind of funny to hear you talk about it, Chris, but kind of sits with similar thoughts of what I'd heard in the past. And I just, he's never been a guy I've been fully bought in on. I think that these types of guys, for me, are already kind of the low, you know, low, I guess, likelihood of making it to the big leagues just because, you know, it's slug over hit and the defense is not really a calling card by any means. So, you know, the window is very tight for him to hit everything and be able to make it as a big leaguer. And, you know, I think, too, part of, you know, my background coming from the real baseball side, these types of guys, I just naturally, like, tend to be a little bit lower on them. But, I mean – the power's there. I think that's obvious. There's a queer upside potential to like. I guess with, you know, Mayer, he's kind of on the opposite end. You know, when I'm talking about real-life prospects, this is kind of what you dream of. I think that there's a reason a lot of people saw him as the, you know, number one pick in that draft class. And, you know, the game isn't as built for fantasy, but... I think that he might be able to surprise some people with a little bit more speed than we're expecting. You know, I've seen a lot of people really down on him because they're saying, oh, he's not going to run at all. He has no speed. But kind of what I said about Veen, like you're seeing at least a willingness and a desire to run early on, which is somewhat exciting for me. So he's a guy I'm really excited to you know, continue following and kind of see what that fantasy trajectory looks like because the floor is obviously extremely high from a real-life baseball perspective. Absolutely. Uh, I've always been very excited. Especially when we had Mayer fall into our lap at, at pick four last year. I was incredibly excited about that. And he's run a little bit more, and I think many expected him to. Maybe I still think he's not more than, you know, like a five to eight steal guy. But if, even if he can just get in like that, 
five to 10 range annually just to add a little something. So he's on a zero in the stolen base department. I think he could be, I think the bat potentially, you'll see how the power develops, but as a pure hitter, he could be like a Corey Seager. I think there's that type of upside. If, if everything clicks with him, obviously that's like high end outcome for him, but I think he's one of the best pure hitters in the minor leagues. I think there's the power solid, see how that develops over the next year or two. But yeah, I think there's definitely a path to him being a very good major leaguer with blaze. I still think there's a wide range of outcomes. Like he, he's, proven to be a better pure hitter than I anticipated him being. So I think obviously there's a huge raw power there. Game power is still kind of coming along. But yeah, with Chris's reports, and I've kind of heard similar things about his struggles against higher velocity. So that's definitely not you know, in, uh, encouraging because you're going to face more and more velocity the higher up you get towards the major league. So that's not good if you're already struggling in, in A ball against the velocity. But yeah, definitely two very exciting prospects to keep an eye on here, how they develop here the rest of this year moving forward. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break to get a word from our sponsor. We'll be right back. Support for Fantrax Toolshed is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the performance package. So join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, 20% off, and free worldwide shipping using the code TOOLSHED and manscaped.com. You know it's a good time to get some new tools for your shed. You don't want those nicks and cuts down there, so go to Manscaped, because Manscaped offers the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. The Performance 4.0 package is here, and it's a game-changer. Inside this package, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear, Nose, and Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, the performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. First off, the Lawnmower 4.0 is the trimmer of the future, and dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever. Its performance and craftsmanship is second to none. It's easy to use, and you can't beat the performance. The There's sk- advanced skin-safe technology, thanks to their cutting-edge ceramic blade, helps reduce accidents. Definitely something you want if you're grooming down there. The lawnmower is also waterproof. It has a 4,000K LED spotlight that you need for your more precise shaves. Because it's waterproof, use it in the shower and say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. You thought that was good, but Manscaped wants to take your grooming to the next level, and they've introduced the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer, which is also waterproof, also provides the same proprietary skin-safe technology to help reduce nicks and snags, and... You get the Crop Preserver Below the Waist Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Below the Waist Toner, which will change the way you approach your daily hygiene routine. Manscaped even throws in two free gifts for you in their 4.0 package, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself, so go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping using the code TOOLSHED. That's right. It's time to get some new tools for your shed, so go to manscaped.com, use the code TOOLSHED, get 20% off, and free shipping. All right, welcome back from the break. Let's get into some prospect standouts here. We got, let's see, half dozen hitters and three pitchers to talk about. We'll start on the hitting side of things with someone that Chris just mentioned about five minutes ago or so, Evan Carter from the Texas Rangers, 19 years old, currently in high A. Over the last 30 days, he's really been scorching hot. 368, 424, 655 slash line. 
with 13 extra base hits in 99 player appearances, five home runs, six doubles, eight steals, only been caught twice, 8.1% walk rate and 18.2% K rate over that span. For the season, he's now up to 283, 374, 480 in 405 plate appearances, 18 doubles, 10 triples, 10 home runs, 23 steals, an 11.9% walk rate and a 16.8% strikeout rate. So a lot of good things there. Goes to being one of the, really the surprise pick of probably the 2020 draft when we take him in the second round to a guy that I just put in my top 50 overall. So it's been a uh, kind of a fun little ride with him over the last two years or so. Peyton, you know, actually, let's go over to you first, Chris, since you saw him recently. You, you mentioned that you were very impressed by, by Evan Carter. What, what are some things you saw and how high do you think he can rise up in rankings here? He was the most impressive player on the field, and I don't think it was particularly close. And that's a pretty talented drive team with Boston prospects. And Evan Carter's going to be a dude, I think. You look at his frame, and I think there's plenty of room for him to still add weight and add power at that. He hits the ball pretty hard as well. Great swing from the left side. He's listed in 6'4", 190. But, man, even if he's still there, like I think he could add 20 pounds of muscle and get some more power. He steals with ease, and you know he's been called eleven times this year. You know, twenty-three stolen bases, whatever. It doesn't particularly concern me. But Mayer's plate discipline is really good, but I think Evan Carter's was on another level. And you know, this is the second series I've seen Carter this year, and you know he he impressed me even more this week. But his swing is just geared for line drives. He sprays it to all fields. He can get to the home run power as well. And then he plays an easy plus center field. I mean, the speed's plus, the glove's plus, I think. He just glides around out there. And when your ability to play center field is is that, when the floor to play center at least is that high, like that's only going to boost your chance to be a major leaguer, in my opinion. And it's why I think Sedan Rafaela also stands a pretty high chance because his versatility and his plus defense and speed out there. But Carter, excellent field to hit. He doesn't whiff very often extremely low whiff rate this year. He doesn't strike out. He knows how to take a walk. I just think Evan Carter's really well-rounded, and I think that he's pretty underrated. And I think there's projectability left too, which you know, he's only 19. He will turn 20 later this month. But still, I think there's projectable power left in this profile where I think we're looking at you know average game power, 20 home run type with the ability to steal bases and hit for high average, high OBP type. He's a real-life player's dream, but I also think he can be a really good fantasy asset as well. Yeah, I, I have been higher and higher on him every time I kind of dig into the profile, watch film on him. Like I said, the numbers, while well, they're good, and they've been obviously very good lately, the overall numbers this season, like I said, they're good, but they don't like stand out. They don't wow you, but he's getting there. Like, all the tools are there. Like you mentioned it. You've seen him twice now, two series, I should say. Yeah, I, I am definitely buying in on Evan Carter. I put him top 50 recently. Where is he exactly? I have him 45 right now, and maybe that might even be a little bit higher. He might sneak into the 35 or so range by my next update in the next couple of weeks here. So, yeah, definitely buying what I'm seeing from Evan Carter. Peyton, what about you? Are you an, uh, an Evan Carter believer? Yeah, it's pretty funny when Chris brought him up earlier. Because I was, this is one of the guys I was probably most excited to talk about tonight when you first sent mm-hmm. out the list, Eric. I 
really like Evan Carter. I think that, you know, there's a lot to like. Obviously, you know, I think uh, there was a lot of intrigue with Carter, I think, coming out of the draft just because, you know, reports you saw and different people, you know, kind of – it was kind of a surprise pick in a certain type of way, you know. But like you said, Chris, I think he's a true center fielder. I think there's, you know, an ability to – hit in the corners though if he you know somehow slows down and doesn't work out in center field but with the way that he's you know projecting right now he's going to be a plus bat in center and I think the biggest thing this year which is why I'm so excited about him is you know that power ticking up you know especially recently as you guys were talking about the the power numbers over the last 30 days he's hit five home runs and his ISOs at 287. So that's absolutely, absolutely what you want to see out of a guy that was labeled as not a power hitter at all coming into the year. And, you know, if he's able to continue to put up numbers, obviously it's not going to be this good, but even just, you know, mildly good power numbers, then this is, you know, a true five category you know, contributor, which in fantasy is huge to have. So I really love Carter and he's probably one of my biggest risers recently. Is he inside your top 50 as well? He is, let's see. I want to say he was just outside. If I recall when I have my last update. That's fair. I think top 50 is very fair for him in, the, in that general range. Yeah, of... he's at 53 right now, okay. so kind of right in that same ballpark. All right, yeah, I think that's very fair. Chris, where do you have him, out of curiosity? He's going to bump up in the top 50 for sure for OBP purposes. He may yeah. go even higher. I think he's going to be, just looking the current rankings, he'll probably be around you know, in the 40 to 45 range. I love it. I love it. Dep, go get some Evan Carter out there if you haven't already. All right, next one on the list here, catching prospect, but one of the more exciting ones in in the minor leagues, one that still I believe is a bit underrated because he wasn't the big prospect thing coming into the year, and he's playing in an org in Pittsburgh where I think just that org in general gets, gets underrated as a whole. But Andy Rodriguez, over the last 30 days, which is 88 point appearances, he's slashing 400, 511, 829. Yep, 400, 511, 829. Six doubles, eight home runs, 17% walk rate, and 11.4% K rate for the season. 300, 392, 544, 24 doubles, 17 home runs, 11.3% walk rate, 20.4% strikeout rate. A lot of good stuff there that I just listed off, Peyton. Where do you where do you have Andy in, in your rankings, and are you a believer in what you've seen offensively from him? Yeah, Andy's a really fun player. He's a guy that, you know, I think a lot of people – like you said, he's under the radar, I think, one, because he's with the Pirates, but two, you know, as a catcher, and everyone knows that they obviously put a huge investment with Henry Davis at catcher. I think that a lot of people have question marks and aren't really sure what's going to happen with him. But, you know, I think it's important to point out that they've been playing him at some other positions and, you know, trying to just figure out if there's a another spot for that bat to play. He's played at first base, second base catcher and left field this season. So clearly they know that, you know, 
they want this bat to get into the lineup. And as you mentioned, rattling off the stats there, this guy's hotter than almost anybody in the minor leagues right now. And, you know, I'm kind of excited. I hope, I know, you know, long-term from a real life standpoint, catchers bring a ton of value, but from a fantasy standpoint, I think it'd be great for this guy's game if they decide to move him off of catcher. Cause one, it lets him, you know, move up the ranks faster and, He's not a premium defender behind the plate anyways. So, you know, I think, you know, developing him behind the plate as a defender is going to stall his progression and it's going to make him take a little bit more time. So hopefully they let him ride it out at other positions and that bat can carry him because he's definitely a really exciting arm and or not arm bat (laughs) and hotter than almost anyone. Yeah, that's what I say. He's, he's played other positions too. Like, and last year, like this is not the first year that he's really performed well. Last year in Low A Bradenton, two ninety four, three eighty, five twelve slash with fifteen home runs in ninety eight games. So he performed very well last year. Career two ninety two hitter in the minor leagues over two hundred and fifty six games. It's a lot of good there. So yeah, maybe he this is a, a case where he moves out from behind the plates. I do think Henry Davis is probably their catcher of the future. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they have some stalwart at first base, right? Like, I don't, I don't think Mason Martin's going to be the answer there or anybody else. So he has a, has a chance to kind of lock that. If that's the spot where they go with, you mentioned he's played some second. He's played like 15 games at second base. So we'll see, kind of see where he lands. But the bat for sure is not like a ton of speed here, obviously. But though he does have 12 career steals, so maybe he adds a you know a couple in. But you know, just the fact that he can hit for a high average, get on base at a, a very good clip. He has a walk rate above 10% in his career. Good power. Man, like, I was way too low in my last update on him, fully aware of that. I'm bumping him way up. I don't, I'm don't. i not quite ready to go like top 100 on him, but I think he's like top 125 right now. And he, he's right in that cluster of really exciting catching prospects that I think you can, that I'm trying to target everywhere, like him, Bo Naylor. And uh, Yaner Diaz, I know Chris is probably one of the bigger Yaner Diaz fans in the world right now. But these three guys, I'm like, they're super underrated. These are not the huge names yet, but they're performing very well. So, Chris, over to you, though. Thoughts on Andy Rodriguez? You know, I have a lot to add. I've been a big fan for a while. I kind of picked up on him towards the end of last year. And, you know, I, I looked back and found a tweet that I had from the end of last season, you know, encouraging people to add him before he took off. And, you know, that's fortunately panned out. But he's just got a really good feel to hit. You know, pretty ideal launch angles. He hits the ball hard as well. So I really like Indy. I actually like him better if he's going to move off, which I think probably happens. And he can the versatility is kind of huge. It kind of reminds me of like Austin Barnes. You know, maybe he sustains catcher eligibility enough where he's fantasy. You know, at least has that for fantasy catcher, yeah. and then he can second and left field and first base so like that'd be insane yeah that would be imagine cool. imagine having catcher and like middle infield eligibility plus yeah. first base and corner and outfield dude that'd be insane Sign yeah me up. yeah right. you never know but um, i'm on board with indy i think he's an easy top 100 prospect at this point so you are ready to go top 100 on him oh. i i think i i would if i was like 100 certain he was moving off i think i would but I think that is a high percentage outcome. So maybe I should go top 100 on him because I think the bat, that's a top 100 bat for sure. Yeah. Uh, no, I've no. got him 74th. Okay. I think even if he's a catcher, I, I'm still fine with it. I like, I mean, yeah, he, I mean, you have Henry Davis looming, but he's still, I mean, this is a great bat no matter where he plays. 
All right, time to put you on the spot, Chris. I said, I'll ask Peyton too. We can see quick answers here. Would you rather have Andy Rodriguez or Harry Ford? I think I'd take Andy. I have Indy ranked higher, but I think Ford's upside's more. That's fair. Especially any of the catchers in this room. Oh, here's another good one. Would you rather have Andy or Diego Cartea? Let's see where I'm <laughs> see, I see. I love Peyton's Cartea. I do, I do yeah, too. I, I would definitely take Cartea there. I'm really high on him. Okay. One more here. Let's be another catcher. Let's just stick it in the same org. Andy or Henry Davis? I think it's closer than people think. I agree. I, I would still take Henry Davis, but yeah, it's gotten a lot closer. I, I think there's a bigger perceived gap there than there's an actual gap. I agree. Definitely. Fun fun player. Fun, that's a fun one. I love the Pittsburgh org. I, I think it's a lot better than people give it credit for. All right. Next one on the list here, Miguel Blaez from my Boston Red Sox, who just has been getting a lot of rave reviews of people that have seen him and, the, you know, in the – I saw somebody tweet out, it was Ian Cundell say that, uh, Ian Cundell from Sox Prospects, that nobody in the entire league, not not just the Red Sox org in in the complex level, the entire league is getting more buzz right now than Miguel Blaez. You know, over the last, uh, excuse me, for, for the season, he's hitting 301, 353, 542, with 23 extra base hits, five home runs, 18 steals, the approach is still a bit aggressive, but he's an 18-year-old in rookie ball. What do you expect? That's to, that's to be expected down there. But over the last 30 days, he's hitting 324, 387, 588 with 12 extra base hits and just 75 plate appearances, 11 steals as well, 29.3% K rate. So, again, the approach needs a little bit of work. But, you know, Chris, over to you first on this one here. And you tweeted out as well, you know, a lot of stuff about Miguel Blaise too. I know you're very high on him. How – let's just talk just how high – do you think Blaez can you know reach in prospect rankings? So let's say end of next year, where do you see him being in prospect rankings? Well, Ian told me I should already have him top twenty-five. So <laughs> I don't oh, know. I mean, that's yeah, it's pretty aggressive. But he's his numbers are. I was able to get some of his numbers, and they're really good. I mean, just like EVs are pretty elite for his age. He does a lot of things well, and I think that there's kind of a misconception of this swing and miss, but. Actually, he's got pretty good zone control and good zone contact. I think the approach is actually pretty good. He's very athletic. And he just makes his swing work, even though it can kind of get, I don't know, I say it gets a little handsy at times, but he does make loud contact even with it. So I'm willing to go pretty high on Miguel Blaze. I think that right now, I mean, Based on what I know right now, I'd say he's probably a top 125 guy, which I think is pretty aggressive as is. But as you've looked kind of across the industry, people are kind of jumping him up. I mean, Baseball America has him sixth in the Sox org, just behind Nick York, which is interesting. Sox prospects bumped him to fifth in the system. So the buzz is there, and I think that he does enough things well mechanically to have a solid hit tool. Even if it's just an average hit tool, I think that he's going to generate enough power and he has speed as well, which is intriguing. And there's a report recently that he's going to go to Salem by the end of this month, so we'll at least get a chance to see him at the next level in low A, albeit. But still, we'll get a shot to see what he can do against better pitching. But I'm a big Miguel Blaze fan. I liked when they signed him. I was a fan of him when he signed internationally, and I just think the 
buzz is kind of coming to fruition. So if you have the shot, I think you should go add him or trade for him. So I'm, I'm pretty high on him from everything I know at this point. Yeah, I am too. I, I liked him coming into the year a lot. I think I had him as one of my breakout prospects this year in, in one of my preseason articles. And I have him back in top 100 now. I think I'm going to be a bit aggressive, but just the fact that, and I think Sox prospects had him ahead of Rafaela. I think Rafaela was like seven or eighth in their rankings, and they had Blaise higher. Obviously, that's just, that's a, a site that covers Red Sox prospects specifically. So uh, that's their focus, not the entire major league. So. Yeah, they know their Sox prospects, and in Ian Kundal heads up that that department. He's a very knowledgeable guy as well. So, yeah, I am I'm very excited about Miguel Blaze as a Sox fan. I can't wait to see him. Probably won't see him next year, but maybe a year after that. And yeah, he's very exciting. And this this Red Sox org, I, I've given Heim Bloom a ton of crap for major league moves he's made, but he's a good you know player development mind prospect. You know, building the system. He's very good at that, and the system has definitely gotten a lot better over the last couple of years in terms of trades they've made, you know, draft picks, even though some of them I've still kind of questioned. We'll see about this, this year's picks, but, you know, international signings, so on and so forth. So, yeah, Blay is very exciting. I think he could be top 50 pretty soon here, maybe top 25 by next year, too. Peyton, are you a big Miguel Blaze guy? Yeah, Blaze is interesting for sure. I think. You know, just from hearing you guys talk about him, I'm a little bit lower than than you guys right now, but I still very much like him. I think I'm just not – I tend to be a little bit more skeptical of these super high-variance guys than, you know, some other analysts are where they're, you know, super comfortable just diving in at first. Like saying top 25 is just wild to me hearing of a guy that hasn't even like played a ball yet and hearing someone say, yeah, he should be top 25. I'm just like, Oh wow. <sighs> like mind blown. But I can totally see why someone would say it from, you know, just a raw tools standpoint. And, you know, when you look at kind of you know, going back again to what I was talking about, checking boxes, like I like to see with prospects, he's checking boxes right now. You know, the approach for an 18 year old, isn't that bad. You know, I think people look at that K to walk ratio and they're like, Oh, that's super bad. That's terrible. But you know, he's an 18 year old and he's just getting his first taste. So, you know, that's not really the first thing I'm looking at with 18 year old guys at complex ball. So there's a, a lot to like here and, you know, kind of projecting future wise, I think you could easily say the upside of a top 50 guys there but I'm just not quite ready to push him, you know, top 100 or I think he's closer to 150 for me right now, which is still, you know, pretty promising for yeah. a guy at complex ball, you know? So. Yeah, absolutely. He was my last pick in the P1 ADP mocks. I got him like pick 179. I felt very good about that. Like I was looking at my spreadsheet. I was doing like, and guys, I had in my queue. I was like, oh man, Miguel Blay is just still sitting there. I was, let's have some fun with this <laughs> last pick. Go a little upside here. So. I looked, if that was a real draft, it would have been ecstatic. But uh, yeah, just see, a, I love that value mock. there. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah, I thought I was like, yeah, let's have some fun with this last pick. Go some upside. And I think he definitely fit the bill. All right, three more hitters here. We got a little quicker here. It was already going a little long. Mason Wynn from St. Louis, Herbert Hernandez from Tampa Bay, Oscar Colas from the Chicago White Sox. Now, Chris, I like the last time we talked, Mason Wynn is before he started really started hitting for more power uh, over the last couple of months here. 
with him hitting for more power, obviously, you know, the hit tool is, is pretty good. There's a good amount of speed in the profile as well. 20 years old, double-A, performing very well. Where do you have him in your rankings, Chris? I think last time you were already putting him, like, top 50-ish, right? Now, when that more power, like, for instance, over the last, let's see, the last 30 days here, he had 95 plate appearances. He has a 536 slug, two, four, two, excuse me, 226 ISO, seven doubles and four home runs. He's now up to 11 home runs, 28 doubles, 495 slug, 199 ISO on the year. Is he even higher? Is he like maybe pushing top 30 for you now? Yeah, he's at 28 right now. There we go. Where he slots in. I've talked with you. I've known you so well. I kind of was almost like imagine like, all right, Chris probably has him in this range at this point. Yeah, I really like everything that Mason Wynn does, including his arm at shortstop, which is elite, like the best arm at shortstop we've ever seen kind of. But he just checks a lot of boxes. He does a lot of things well. It's important to remember he just turned 22 begin the season so he's right. still a young 20 and he's you know, dominating double a so not to mention his speed so effectiveness on the base paths i really like you know mason Wynn to be a top guy and i think he's already pushing that way do you think the gap for fantasy purposes between him and jordan walker is smaller than people realize <laughs> probably i i mean everybody yeah, I, I, still, I still think walker obviously but i don't think there's like a massive gap there yeah, I mean, everybody loves Walker, and Walker's got more power. You know, and that's you know, rightfully so to have him ranked higher, but I think Wynn's speed element certainly helps him out there. And I know you can look at Walker's stolen base total and get excited, but I just don't see him being ever a guy that steals many bases at all. And actually, you look at Mason Wynn's power that he's getting to, and you're getting fairly similar results. So, I don't know. Yeah, so maybe that gap's a little smaller than people realize. Maybe you can trade Jordan Walker for Mason Wynn and get a pretty good second piece with that. It might be might be a good deal to make. I'm not saying trade away Jordan Walker, but right. you never know. <laughs> Peyton, wait, what are your thoughts on Mason Wynn? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely kind of been one of the slower guys coming around on Wynn. I think he's certainly kind of opening my eyes since he got moved to AA, as you mentioned, as a 20-year-old. So I think that that's extremely impressive to be putting up the numbers that he's doing as a 20 year old even if he wasn't 20 but as a 20 year old that's extremely encouraging and you know he's his season line for the walk rate is over 10 percent now which i love to see and you know i think just across the board he's one of those guys that's just slowly trickled up my rankings every time i go back to my ranking list i'm like ah I need to boost win up a little bit more. I'm, I'm kind of there with you, yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty funny. But, yeah, every time I come back, I, I like a little bit more of him. So I can see why, Chris, you're so in on him. Chris, he's definitely in on win. Maybe, maybe, that's, the t- maybe that's the title of this podcast. <laughs> in, in on, on win. win. In on win. All he does is win, win, win no matter what. But win with two ends because he's cool like that. All right. So Coloss. Harry Berto. I know Chris hates Harry Berto. Like, I'm scared. Let me talk Colos then. I'll, I'll... Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll, okay. I'll throw over Peyton. Let's go to you for Harry Berto here and then Chris for Colos so we can save a little bit of time. Are you a Harry Berto guy? There's a wide range of kind of rankings on him as well. He's been kind of a very up and down guy. I already see you kind of nodding your head a little bit side to side. Where are you at on Harry Berto? You think there's a, a major league bat in there? I do. 
I guess, but I don't know if he's a major league regular. And I just, I think again, going, you know, we talk so much about prospects in a vacuum, and I think it's so important to keep in mind what org they're a part of. And with him being with Tampa, you know, they just do weird things, and I could see them easily just using him as like this, you know, huge power platoon guy that, or even like a, you know low side of the platoon bat that they're going to use in like pinch hitting scenarios or things like that. It's just, it's hard for me to look at him and say, yeah, that guy's a major league regular (laughs) at any point. So that's kind of my hesitancy. Obviously the power is massive. I mean, if you look at the last 30 days, he's hit 10 bombs. So if you want it, if you love power, he's your guy, but that's kind of, the one thing he's going to bring you. And I don't know if there's going to be a lot of consistency in terms of at bats that are going to make it matter much anyways. Yeah. Like the, the power has always been pretty good in terms of a raw power standpoint. And yeah. He's like you mentioned, he's at 10 bombs over the last 30 days, which is why he's put, he was put on the docket for tonight. But yeah, he's just very inconsistent. I think there's maybe he's a platoon bat. I, I don't know. Maybe he's a, maybe he could be a regular, you know, on like a second division regular, like a bad team, like a Kansas City or something like that. I don't know if he's a regular in Tampa, though. There's just so many so many other guys that are already ahead of him. And, you know, Tampa, they always bring in those guys, like even like the Brett Phillips types, to kind of fill up their roster. So I just, I'd, be, I'd feel a lot better if he was on a team that had a clearer path and maybe give him a shot because they have nobody else type of thing. But in Tampa Bay, eh, I don't know. I still like the bat a little bit. I think he's like a top 200-ish guy, but... Yeah, I'm definitely not, like, super high on him either. All right, Chris, Colos, go. I'm about to go super high on Colos. I think he's just been uber good and I think pretty underrated. And he's been even better since his bump to double-A, which is pretty impressive. I saw him a couple times when he was in high-A. He was in Winston-Salem, and they were down here for a couple series. And he was good, but he didn't wow me. But, you know, he's just really taken off since the early part of the season when I did see him. So I just think the numbers don't lie here. And, you know, Colos was really hyped and, you know, it kind of faded a little bit as he came stateside. But it is important to remember, like, this is his first, you know, like full season of minor league ball. And despite his age, like, I know he's 23, but he's absolutely tearing it up and doing huge things. I mean, the numbers are, are stellar across both levels 318, 383, 522 with 15 home runs. And as I mentioned, it's gotten even better in double A. The strikeout rate's really manageable around 20%. He hits the ball extremely hard, which is going to help him run high Babips. And he lifts it well. I mean, really good line drive rates. And honestly, the only reason we're not seeing him get to more home runs is because he's not hitting enough fly balls. He's hitting so many line drives, which I guess is good in the batting average case. But I think there's like easy 30 home run power in Colos bat based on everything I've seen. And you know, he could end up moving to like a first base type, which would be interesting. But overall, I don't really care where he ends up playing because I think the bat's going to be really good in play regardless. And I think the hit tool's better than most people are giving him credit for. So I'm really high on Oscar Colas at this point. And he, while there are some risk, he's been super good. And you can't really argue with his results. Yeah, and remember, remember all that hype that was around Colas? You know, Tawny. Yeah, exactly. So... Obviously, that was a bit much or a lot much, but yeah, I think he's finally starting to show, you know, why 
even though those always get blown out of proportion, there's usually a reason why those comps get made because there's some talent there. At least maybe I said that's always overblown, but they don't just do it for nothing just because you know there's no talent there. So there's obviously some intriguing talent that made people say that, even if it was outlandish. But yeah, definitely a lot of a lot of talent, a lot of upside with Colas. We'll see how, how the White Sox develop him over the next year or two when he gets up closer to the major leagues, see if he can kind of join that already fun young core they have up there with the Eloy and, and Robert and, ever, and others too. All right, three pitchers on the list here. Tanner Bibby of the Cleveland Guardians, Gunnar Hoagland from Oakland, and Dax Fulton from Miami. We'll kind of group these two together here. You know, Hoagland, he hasn't really been like a, a quote-unquote standout, but he's pitched kind of well since returning from injury. I think Chris and I have both been pretty high on him. Bibby is another, like every year, there's like the Cleveland guy that kind of comes out of nowhere from very well. Like last year, Peyton Battenfield was that guy, among others. Bibby's a guy this year that's kind of been flying up ranks here now, up to double A recently. And then Dex Fulton, Chris and I have talked about him a lot too, with you know the talent that he has, but kind of still very raw as a pitcher. Out of these three, Peyton, with Bibby, Hoagland, and Fulton, is there one guy that you're you know, just really in on that you think everyone should be buying in dynasty leagues right now? Yeah, it's really tough. I mean, I feel like they're all three very different arms when you really they are, yeah. <laughs> I've really liked what I've seen from Bibby this year. He's, you know, the velocity has kind of gone from, you know, mid-90s to where he's touching upper 90s and kind of sitting – I'd say, you know, 96 or so when I'm, you know, from what I've seen in reports and things. And he, the combination there of the Arsenal command, you know, the Cleveland org, I think there's a lot to like there. So he's just a really exciting guy to follow this year. But to your point, we just were talking about Peyton Battenfield last year. And, you know, we all three of us were just a few you know, minutes ago talking about how we don't really see much fantasy appeal there. So it's uh, kind of one of those where I'm very intrigued, but I want to, you know, I don't want to be stupid and just go buy at a, you know, unreasonable price, but I'm definitely extremely intrigued what I've seen so far with Bibby. Yeah, th- that's very fair. I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. I, I like him. I, I don't think he's head and shoulders above anybody else. You know, like they've come through. Like I don't think he's head and shoulders above like Peyton Battenfield or Logan Allen. I think he kind of falls into that range. Like obviously it's Espino and then Gavin Williams, and I think there's like a cluster after that, and he's definitely in that cluster. Like I, I like him. I think he could be a solid number four type of guy. I don't think there's much upside more. I don't, I wouldn't quite go mid rotation number three. Definitely not higher than that. But I think there's definitely a a good floor there to work with for sure. And then for anybody that's around my age that grew up in the watching '90s basketball, I always think of Mike Bibby. <laughs> Anytime I hear Tanner Bibby, then there you go, Chris. You got it. You got it. Oh yeah, Mike Bibby. Dude, Mike Bibby was he was badass, man. Like those Sacramento <laughs> teams, those are the only teams I could even like come close to those early 2000s Lakers teams when they had obviously Shaq and Kobe and everybody else there. And then they had what? So Sacramento had Bibby, Stryakovich, Divac at the end of his career, Chris Webber, oh, Weber, Doug, yeah. Doug Christie. That was a really good 
team that just didn't have a chance to win because the Lakers were out there early two yeah. thousands. But yeah, I was, they pushed I was, them a couple times though. They did. They did push to some Western Conference Finals. But I just always like Mike Bibby every time I hear Tanner Bibby's name brought up. But I actually crazy. have a I have a Mike Bibby Hawks jersey, so that's a pretty good go. one. <laughs> All right, I like it. A little little Mike Bibby, little early two thousands basketball talk here on the FBX school shed. I like it. A little crossover. But uh, Chris, close up the show. Any strong, you know, thoughts or opinions on any of these three? No, I mean, I've always liked Hoagland. I think it's a good time to buy. Obviously, got Tommy John behind him, and he went lower in FYPDs, and I think he deserved because of that. Yeah, love Bibby. You know, there's a great debate in the Thirty Rock chat whether because you know Keith Law and Jesse Roach were kind of going at it whether his velo topped at 98.4 or 99.4. Don't think it matters, honestly. <laughs> I don't care. His his velo is really good, so and it's increased. Like he's he's definitely upped his fastball velo significantly, and he's hitting upper nineties and he's sitting above ninety five. So yeah. those are things I like to see. He's got good secondaries as well. So I've been a fan of what he's done, and he's really only gotten better as the season has gone on. I think Fulton's kind of a flyer type where you know he could be good, but you just you never know what you're going to get out of him. But I feel safer going with Bibby or Gunnar Hoagland. I think Hoagland's going to be the best one to acquire in a dynasty league right now, just from the the value standpoint where I think he could provide a good return on investment. So I'm trying to look and see if I can get him in leagues. Yeah, for sure. I love Hoagland. I think he's the best of these three. I still like Fulton. I think I'm higher on him than, than you are, Chris. I like this. There's good raw stuff there, and I like that he's in Miami. Good player development org there. So still young, so I think there could be you know, maybe a guy we talk about as top 100, maybe. I think that's within the range of outcomes, probably a lower percentage outcome, but still like the stuff. Obviously, he's more of a project, but I think one that could rise up rankings. But yeah, Hoagland, I've been kind of preaching. Like him and Matt Allen, kind of in a similar range to me, where I'm like, I love the talent. They both have some injuries that they're coming back from. Obviously, Allen's a little bit behind Hoagland in terms of coming back from injury, but he had the talents there. You know, Oakland, obviously, is a great place to pitch because, you know, the just a huge stadium, huge foul, foul ground there. So love Hoagland's like Fulton a good amount. I think Bibby's a solid buy as well as the, it's don't go crazy on, on Bibby. That's kind of, I think where I'm at right now, but that is going to wrap us up. Peyton, thanks for coming on, man. This was a blast. Yeah, I had a great time. I really appreciate you guys bringing me on. Got to do it again. A lot of fun. Always diving into prospects. Absolutely. Everyone should go check out Peyton's work again. You can find him at Prospect Payton. He's writing over at SB Streamer, 80 Degree Dynasty Podcast, a lot of good stuff there. So go check out his work. Again, at Prospect Payton. You can find Chris at Roto Clegg, me at Eric Cross 04, and our show at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of Chris and I's written work at Fantrax HQ, Fantasy Pros, or over on our Patreon, of course. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care.
The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindly and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindly. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit kindly at asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. 